Welcome to the Change Management Reviews Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. On this episode, Editor-in-Chief Teresa Moulton talks with Dr. Linda Ackerman Anderson, co-founder of Being First. I'm sure you'll enjoy today's discussion, which centers around developing executives into serious leaders of change. Welcome to the Change Management Reviews podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Linda Ackerman Anderson from Being First Incorporated. We're very excited to have uh, Dr. Anderson join us. And before we go ahead and get started with the uh, questions for the podcast, let me tell you a little bit about um, Dr. Anderson. So Dr. Linda Ackerman Anderson is the co-founder of Being First, Inc., specializing in facilitating transformational change in Fortune 1000 businesses, government, the military, and large non-for-profit organizations. She brings more than 35 years of experience to her work in leading conscious transformation. Linda assists leaders to sort through the chaos of transformation, develop change processes that produce extraordinary business outcomes, transform organizational mindset and culture, and personally model the changes that they seek to create. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Anderson. Thank you, Teresa. Thanks for that introduction. Oh, you're welcome. It's so glad to have you. I'm so glad to have you on the show and um, really looking forward to your topic today. And uh, that topic is the sponsorship imperative, developing executives into serious leaders of change. So I know that you're a um, definitely a, a big fan of sponsorship and all of the intricacy within that work. So this will be really interesting to hear some of the uh, insights that you'll bring. Great. So before we get started with um, the topic-specific uh, conversation, I always have this curiosity uh, with the guests that we have on the podcast to ask you, how did you get into the change management profession? Great question. Well, it, it's actually over 40 years ago now, long before change management was known as a profession. Um, I started out in, um, I would say, the easiest way of describing it is organization development, uh, helping organizations to uh, become more effective in what they do uh, in a humane-based way. And that led me into more serious internal consulting work where I was designing change processes. And in 19, I believe it was 1977, I know I'm aging myself, I worked at uh, Sun Petroleum Products Company, Sun Oil Company, in Philadelphia, and Richard Beckhardt, who is one of the grandfathers of the OD profession, came mm-hmm. to speak, and it was prior to his publishing his book with Reuben Harris on transitions. And I was so moved by what he was talking about, I took it upon myself to start thinking about writing about and intuiting what it would take to change large systems. So I've been at it a long time, having run a lot of very large change efforts in a variety of industries. And then um, the change management profession started to mm, formalize itself, I think, in the early 90s. And so uh, we were called, and we had a lot to say about what 
was being asked for by executives, and it just led me in the direction of formalizing, writing about, uh, speaking about the world of change. And so change management did formalize itself as an industry. And as you know, one of our two books is called Beyond Change Management because a lot of what we talk about actually goes beyond the edges of what the change management field has uh, defined for itself. Well, that's great. You know, those two books that um, you and Dean wrote are fundamentals for everybody. Anyone who asks me, what books should I read? Um, I always recommend those two books because they clearly lay out the big picture along with an approach to make it happen. Um, Great. So we're lucky that you got so interested. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thanks, I am too. It's been a life passion, that's for sure. It's been a long time and a life passion. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So now we're going to talk a little bit more about the topic for today, um, the sponsorship imperative, developing executives into serious leaders of change. And, you know, the first question we're pondering is about how did you come to recognize the need for better sponsorship? So that's, a, that's great. Um, in advising a lot of internal change-oriented consultants um, as an external, I've been an external for close to, I guess, 38 years, something like that, I, um, I recognized, I heard frequently people saying, I can't get to my sponsor. I don't have access. I'm afraid of raising issues. I've been given my marching orders. I can't change anything. And what became obvious is what's underneath all of that was actually an absence of sponsorship. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that um, I became aware of is traditional sponsors, they take the role pretty much in name only. And fond descriptors of the traditional role. One is bless and delegate, which is basically give the go-ahead and then let it all roll. And mm -hmm. the other is hit and run, <laughs> which is more descriptive of, okay, I have a project now, and where is my sponsor? Because they typically are so busy and at best will receive status reports and you know, poo-poo on any issues, which is not sponsorship at all. Sponsorship mm -hmm. really is a role, especially for transformational change, but all kinds of changes. So mm -hmm. a lot more is needed by sponsors, from sponsors to really step into what the true transformational sponsorship role is in terms of supporting their teams, getting their project launched effectively, setting up conditions for success, and course correcting as rapidly as possible when issues show up without mm. trying to bury them or punish them. So mm. it's a very important role. That's why I call it an imperative. Mm -hmm. And it does require leaders to be serious about leading change, not the hit-and-run type. Mm. So when we think about your uh, uh, comeuppance on this topic and we think about, you know, what was missing – what I heard you say was, you know, basically that folks didn't recognize that sponsorship really is a viable role and they don't know what to do about it. And right. on the other hand, those of us who are trying to work with sponsors are wondering why we can't get access and 
you know, how do we navigate within the system? So what do you think some of the core competencies and responsibilities of good transformational sponsors might be? Okay, great. So there are 10 areas that we have called out, and we actually train in these 10 areas to formalize the role of transformational sponsor. So let me name them. I'll just chat about them uh, for a couple of minutes. So um, for those listening, I would have you imagine having a sponsor doing these 10 things and the effect that that would have on the success of your projects, on your role, and on your access and relationship to the leaders of the change efforts. So first up is sponsors really need to be the ones to set the direction, articulating compelling desired outcomes, to launch effectively, to set up their change efforts for success from the very beginning, and to approve an adequate scope, a full scope, because scope typically is the technical or the structural, the formal aspect. And we know, especially in transformational change, scope also needs to include culture, mindset, behavior, work relationships, the human side, which we in change management do attend to. But usually it's a battle to get it to be accepted as an integrated part of scope. So first mm-hmm. up is set direction, launch effectively, and approve scope. Mm. Then, And um, if you want to comment between, let me know. Otherwise, I'll, I'll keep going. No, the you keep second, going. Okay. The second area is to champion and spearhead the change. So bless and delegate is not championing. It's giving the go-ahead, but it's not really being visible and demonstrating through word and action that a change effort is real and important. Um, Sponsors really need to demonstrate that their change efforts have staying power, that they're actually, they're not going to go away, uh, they're not going to get buried, uh, they're not going to get sidelined. If they're serious change efforts, they need to have a serious champion. So um, the other thing in terms of championing is to connect with the stakeholders. Now, it's a rare occasion that you'll see a sponsor who actually inquires about, cares about, and makes uh, strategic decisions to support stakeholders. They usually leave that to their team or their change management people or their HR people. And for us, sponsors need to be there for their sponsors, not in any detailed way but they have to demonstrate that they're championing. The third area is ensuring leadership support and alignment with the rest of the organization's changes. And so this one shows up because so frequently we've seen projects roll out and then peers of the sponsors say, hang on a second, I didn't say yes to that, or that is an impact on what I'm trying to do. And so we recognize the importance of getting peer and subordinate leaders to truly understand what the change is about, how it serves business strategy, and get their alignment. Um, It's critical that they understand what will be required of them, especially if it's transformational or enterprise-wide. The next area is what we call optimized conditions for success and communications. And so the notion of conditions for success is a very, very simple and very powerful one. 
we so often see repeating negative patterns that impair the success of change efforts. This one's about flipping that to identify and ensure the creation of conditions for success from launch and then to monitor them over time. They can be used for evaluation, for course correction, for uh, generating candid feedback. Uh, it, those are really critical pieces. In terms of communications, for us, strong emphasis on two-way, on uh, really being authentic in, in uh, what's happening, transparent in what's happening, and very actively listening to the needs of the organization and stakeholders. The fifth area is adequate resources. So we know that so many change efforts launch with a predetermined scope schedule budget before much real data is understood about the magnitude uh, and import of the change effort. So of course change efforts need resources. And our, com our uh, orientation for sponsors is to commit adequate resources that may or may not be known at the beginning. Again, so often we hear, that's not in the budget, we can't do it. Well, it's critical to success. Sorry, it's not in the budget, we can't do it. And so for us, a sponsor really needs to understand the need to adjust um, budget as required by the needs of the change effort for it to be successful. Another major piece here is, in terms of resources, it's not just money, it's um, ensuring that the initiative is uh, staffed with adequate change support. And so we know project management and Lean Six Sigma content experts, they end up on project teams. Well, so needs to change leaders, change process design capabilities, change managers, of course, employee engagement experts, culture orientation, communication support. A project team really needs to be able to cover all the critical dynamics needing to be planned. The only other thing I'll say about resources is the sponsor is really obligated, accountable to ensure that the resources that have been committed actually match the requirements for a successful realization of benefits. That's a key, key thought as opposed to, I gave you a budget now, shut up and do the work. <laughs> that doesn't work. How do we right. actually be able to raise the issue? And then just a, a few more comments, a few more areas. Um, the next is to free up and ensure adequate capacity for the change. And capacity in two areas. One is the people who are serving on the project team need to have the capacity to serve effectively. And secondly is the stakeholders who actually need to adopt and make the change. They have to have the capacity to be able to accomplish all of the work. Um, we have surveyed thousands of managers and leaders about the critical risk factors in change. And adequate capacity is number and has been number one over decades. And so this is a really critical one. Um, for the full life cycle of a change effort to ensure that it actually occurs. The other piece affecting capacity I'll just mention is a realistic pace and timeline. Sometimes consultants are paid by reaching the timeline, like schedule is king, 
well, that doesn't produce sustainable results or doesn't always produce sustainable results. So realistic pace and timeline is a dynamic in ensuring adequate capacity. The next area is for the sponsors themselves. This is modeling the new culture, behavior, and mindset. So the sponsors are not excused from making the personal changes required by the change effort. They actually have to be front and center. They need to ensure that culture is looked at for what's supporting and what may be inhibiting their future state to sustain. Uh, they need to look at their own personal mindset, their own behavior, their own leadership style to see if it is what is required. Uh, and they need to ensure that their strategy for the stakeholders, leadership, management, to also shift culture, behavior, and mindset um, and that that work is supported by skilled facilitators. That doesn't happen overnight. So that's a critical piece. And then uh, next is monitoring the process. So it's really important to establish regular mechanisms for uh, staying informed about progress um, in, uh, in terms of getting the right solution and changing culture and people's mindset and behavior. Now, most change efforts have dashboards or scorecards to do this. This is more than just receiving the information. It's when an indication for shift in direction or solution or process is, shows up that the sponsor actually engage in making the course correction um, and that they set the expectation that they welcome indicators of potential course correction instead of the kill the messenger of bad news norm that exists in so many organizations. So it's really important that they be able to do that and are held accountable to make shifts as required. The last two, um, demonstrating concern for impacted stakeholders. This is really a leadership style and mindset that stakeholders really matter. They, they really are the crux of a change effort being adopted and sustained over time. And so mapping all of the stakeholders and interested parties so that you can understand what their needs are, and from the beginning, designing the process to minimize negative impact on them and those that will be negative impacted, negatively impacted to ensure they're supported in some way. So listening, Compassion, authenticity goes a million miles with stakeholders. And then the last of the 10 areas is remain actively engaged. So hit and run can't happen. Um, so seeking out and sharing information about issues, really important uh, that the team understand things are changing around them so they can adjust course. That's the, that's the way a sponsor can be engaged removing any barriers to the project, that's important. And looking throughout the whole change process, the critical change tasks that they can support, communications, engagement, adequate scope, design requirements, approvals, responding to stakeholders. There are many ways that, that uh, sponsors can and should be engaged throughout the change process. So. There's a, a quick review of the 10. Um, we train on these in, in a two-day session when uh, an organization realizes 
they need to up-level their sponsorship on behalf of their change efforts being more cost-effective and more successful over time. That's quite a list. It is quite a list. <laughs> it's a big job. It's an important job. It's a big job, and, you know, listening to all of the perspectives that she brought forward on that, it just strikes me as, you know, when we asked what was missing about sponsorship, I mean, that is, that's a full-time job, and, and the sponsors really aren't given that kind of time, and I don't think they have any clue. Um, yeah. Any of what you talked about, I mean, exists, and maybe 20% of it, but the way yeah. that you really brought all the success factors about what, you know, makes a change initiative successful, what makes a project successful, I think it's the first time that I've heard exact tactical things that a sponsorship should engage in. And so then it must be up to us to make sure that they do that. It is. And a part of the challenge to us in the field is how do we raise the red flag that better sponsorship is required so mm-hmm. that we can up-level sponsorship. Now, it, uh, unless sponsors really realize or leaders really realize they need to increase their sponsorship capability, you know, if they engage in the training, that's one thing. But there are things we can do to coach. There are, mm-hmm. are assessments we can do to look at the cost to a project of the absence of access to the sponsor, the ability to course correct, being locked into scope schedule budget with no no room to budge. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all things that, that tie our hands. And so our ability to no blame, no shame, raise the issues, especially if a change effort is struggling, is one way of getting sponsors' attention. Mm. I do want to comment, I've never seen a sponsor spend full time in a sponsorship role, even really good sponsors. Mm -hmm. With a good change process leader in charge of a project, uh, they, if they spend 30% of their time, 20% of their time, um, with the right people on leading the project who really understand change leadership, conscious change leadership, then the sponsorship role is made so much easier. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot that we can do as um, as consultants to gain credible access. And you know the old joke that say once you re- reach a VP level, there are two things you never get again. One is a good meal, or that you, a bad meal. You'll always be given a good meal, and the other is the truth. <laughs> so. <laughs> so What we want to make sure, and I have done this in my own career, is uh, setting up the conditions to be able to tell the truth with a sponsor, Mm -hmm. even inviting them out to lunch to say, I have perspectives. I think the the things I want to share with you may not be comfortable to hear, but I think they may limit your ability to succeed. Do I have your permission to safely share them with you? And Mm. then share so setting up the conditions to be able to tell the truth authentically and make it okay that the information is uncomfortable really can raise the, uh, your esteem, a consultant's esteem, in the eyes of a, of a leader. So right. that's also something. So assessment, coaching, telling the truth, um, bringing data wherever we can, 
doing a post-mortem and including sponsorship in one of the areas that's reviewed, that's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. That's important. The, the one other thing I'll, I'll mention about that is um, in uh, executive development curricula to mm-hmm. start um, waving the flag that sponsorship development might very well be an, a great investment for an organization to train sponsors when they're not in the hot seat, but to right. prepare them for the hot seat. So that's another avenue of influence. Those are great strategies. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. they they make a lot of sense. And um, again, I even even though um, the cha- you know we as change practitioners will go in with some of these ideas, um, we may feel that they're you know, not rocket science, but actually in the, in the stress of a change initiative where everybody's looking at something else, a couple of these clear strategies would really make a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sponsorship is a very high-leverage strategy, building sponsorship. Mm. Very mm-hmm. high-leverage strategy. It would just make everybody's lives so much easier and the results so much more beneficial and sustainable. Mm-hmm. That's one reason why I have liked to, to focus on sponsorship, because it just impacts every aspect of a project. Yes, and also I believe that when um, when it's spoken about generally, it's spoken about in terms of what it is in bullets. You know, these are the characteristics of a good sponsor. It doesn't get right. into some of the things you're talking about, Um you know, a broader definition of what sponsorship really is, the roles and responsibilities, some of the strategies you can employ to actually improve and have conversations that may not be easy to have. Um, Yeah. It's a a big topic and everyone's interested in it, but this is one of the few times where I feel like we've, we've taken the deep dive into it and, you know, really are starting to ground ourselves in some some actions that we can start to um, employ in our work. Wonderful. Well said, Teresa. Wonderful. Well, that's my vote. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate your all your um, expertise. And then, Linda, what do you recommend um, to develop transformational sponsors of change? Well, you know, we, we have put together this uh, training, uh, transformational sponsorship training, which is a two-day effort for uh, organizations that recognize the need to build greater sponsorship capability. Mm-hmm. So training, clearly, is one to offer. Uh, maybe if they don't have two days, maybe something could be done over a series of a couple of hour segments in executive meetings, leadership meetings, mm-hmm. and certainly setting up a coaching relationship, which requires deep candor and in, in many ways, as executive coaches, you get into pretty intimate things around mindset, mm-hmm. behavior, relationship, politics, culture. Mm-hmm. So coaching is absolutely another one. And then, as I mentioned, the um, executive development uh, curriculum is another avenue if that could be established. Mm-hmm. That's great. And when you um, when you were thinking about this topic, you were – we were talking about, you know, some of the implications of developing and working more closely with sponsors for change management practitioners. Do you have any thoughts 
that you want to share there? Well, it's a, a significant shift of, or expansion, not shift, expansion of our focus to mm-hmm. think about part of our job being to support effective sponsorship. So one would be beginning to demonstrate the value that can be had by doing that and then uh, expanding your brand as a change management practitioner to include sponsorship support and effective launch of change efforts because we so typically get called in, you know, during after design and, and in preparation of implementation. So it's much earlier in the process to be able to establish this. So that's important. But perhaps the most important thing for us as practitioners is to recognize the power of good sponsorship, and Mm -hmm. then we can figure out how to support it. But we have to truly understand to see what has been missing and the consequences of that and then the benefits of filling in those gaps and being able to build conscious change leader sponsors. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah. So it's so really, get, it, it's only as much as we can understand it can we help propel it forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to begin to talk it up before we're ever called, you know, called into action on a project, again, usually that's later in the process and sponsorship starts from the very beginning. And so the more we can begin to demonstrate that when sponsorship is not in the hot seat, a sponsor is not in the hot seat, I think the the better off we'll be. So thinking about one's um, influence network, who you Mm -hmm. can talk to candidly, how to have that message go up the line, partner Mm -hmm. with senior leaders to demonstrate or have discussions about this. I've even seen um, uh, us create uh, over leadership dinners or lunches or whatever a salon about the Mm -hmm. topic. What mm-hmm. makes a good sponsor, mm-hmm. you know? And so just having, again, non-crisis uh, situations to raise the topic. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, um, one thing that came to mind is I'm wondering if I'm an internal practitioner and, you know, maybe more at the director level in an organization and I want to increase or um, position myself, my professional brand, as being able to support sponsors. How would I go about doing that if my level in the organization may not, you know, preclude me, may preclude me from ever meeting with some of these people? Yeah, for sure. So it's it's a an issue that I want this particular topic to overcome. First of mm-hmm. all, so that's my goal with it. So um, it's very frequent that people will say, I'm not high enough in the organization or I don't have the right, I don't have access. So how would you gain access up the line anyway? So going to your boss, going with your boss to the next line up, it requires uh, one strategy we have is called questions that educate. It requires being able to pose a challenge and no blame, no shame, no embarrassment, but to say what's possible here and how do we bring this to actually get traction in the organization. So um, similar strategies to what I mentioned before is who do you have connections with? Who mentors you? Who can you talk with realistically Mm -hmm. about what you're seeing in the organization? 
and sometimes is partnering with externals who actually do have access up the line. Mm-hmm. And if my, I have a very strong bias. We are direct supporters of the internal consultants being seen as front and center, very capable. So we do a lot of development of internal practitioners so that they can be seen in this way and used more effectively. And so my bias always is to ensure that um, uh, if I have access to a sponsor, I'm always wanting to bring the internal people along with, in partnership with, speaking highly of them so that their internal brand is raised. And I think that's a very important strategy to consider both as an internal, using externals, and as an external. Yeah, that's very powerful. And it's the right, it seems like the right thing to do, you know, to ensure that the client gets the most out of the consultative dollar investment. Absolutely. Our values are directly at play in all of our strategies. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. That's great. Well, Linda, we're about out of time, um, but I want to thank you so much for sharing all your expertise with us and your knowledge, and I'm going to be really excited to hear about uh, people's commentary on this on this podcast. Um, Wonderful. Yes, thank you so much for sharing, and I hope that you'll come back and visit us again. Absolutely. I have lots to share, Teresa. Thanks so much for asking. Okay. (laughs) Take Take care. care. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast with Teresa Moulton of Change Management Review and Dr. Linda Ackerman-Anderson, co-founder of Being First. Be sure to check out our website at changemanagementreview.com. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and join us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.